So we, are, we started a new series last week, and the new series is Mind Matters, and we did a bit of an introduction, and I have to tell you, it's, a, it's not just because we work in Titanic, but it's a bit of an iceberg. Such a massive topic. I thought that was quite good, Steve, no? So this week, we want to look at uh, whose thought is it anyway? Do you remember the, the series? Greg Proops, Ryan Stiles? Fantastic. No, I'm on my own there. They used to do all these comedy sketches and they had to improvise. It was pretty good, wasn't it? Okay, so whose thought is it anyway? We want to explore the matters of the mind and communicate the importance of the mind and what we think. I am confident, I really am, really confident that if you take this and you apply this, you will find transformation in your life. You can take that to the bank. You can come and berate me and say, this will never work. I will not listen to you. If you come back to me and say, I've been applying this, then tell me where you're at, okay? This is all just noise in the air unless we grab hold of this and we apply it to our lives and we can all of us apply it to our lives. I was saying to Russell, I was talking about the, the benefit of this series, but for myself, it's a wee bit like taking a chainsaw and slicing myself into every time I prep for this. So please do not think that because I'm standing here that I have got it all done. I do have some of this. I've lived some of this stuff and experienced some of the transformation, but my goodness, our minds are deceitful. Uh, complex, uh, invaded, at times infested, at times mysterious things. But there is hope, and that hope comes through the person of Jesus Christ. So, are you sitting comfortably? Then let us begin. So Proverbs 23, 7 is going to be one of the most important verses in this series. And it says that, for as he or she thinks in their hearts, so they are. So basically communicating that the thoughts that we have are going to be worked out into our lives. Now, you can come and tell me, no, 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 I don't think like that, and your actions will likely betray you. And you go, no, 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 it's not true, it's not true, it's not true. But actually, if we're being honest, and at times if you're a little bit like me, you don't understand what you think all the time. Sometimes our thoughts and what we really believe in our heart about people, about situations, are uncovered as things happen in our lives, and we're quite shocked. Oh my goodness, I didn't realize that I loved that person that much. I didn't realize that I had such an issue with that person. We just are unaware of our thoughts and we want to change that. What we think about God, about ourselves, about each other is of the highest importance. Theory is very important, but unless theory leads to application, it is completely and utterly useless. I want to ask you the question, what would it look like if you believed and applied the truth of what God says in this area? Well, what would it look like if we believed and applied the truth of what God says, full stop? What would it be like for you to be yourself if you lived as someone who was aware of their thoughts, who guarded their hearts, who was able to grab each thought and hold it in the light of Jesus Christ, just like the five-point notes? You know, particularly because I work in a store, you get some notes in, you're like, well, I don't know about that thing. And you hold it up to the light and you're going, no, no, it's good. The watermark's there. All the things that are there should be there. And we put it into the till. When our thoughts come along, how many of us really actually go, I don't think, let me grab that thought. Okay, Jesus, is that thought good? No, it doesn't stand. Let's get out of it. Most of us just, I just think this way. I've just woken up this morning and everything's awful. Of course, I'm on my own with that. Everybody, the rest of you are totally fine. And then you go, that's it for the rest of the day. It's just everything's going to be awful. Oh, really? Is there another way? What would it be like if we let ourselves be transformed by the renewing of our minds? 
what would that be like? Is it just that, well, you believe that that doesn't exist? It's not possible. No, 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 you couldn't possibly do that. I used the analogy, I think it was last week. I have never been to Spain, okay? I know some of you may find that hard to believe. Most of you probably have, but I have never been to Spain. Therefore, Spain does not exist. All right? Is that all right with you? It's not there. Never experienced it. Not there. Completely ridiculous, obviously. But whenever it comes to what God says, Isaiah 26.3, he will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, the one whose mind is steadfast, as in it is focused on him and trusts in him, right? Perfect peace. Don't believe that exists. Why? Never experienced that. Oh, I've never been to Spain. It's not there. With all of this stuff, we've got to accept that we may not be having this personal experience right now. That does not mean that it's not possible that we will. We need to get a bit of, bit of a vision for this. And one of the lies about Christianity has been that it's not possible. Jesus did this. It is beyond us. That is not true. This is all completely possible for us. I went through a period, some of you have heard this story, but I used to not like how I did my A's in my handwriting, right? And I, I didn't like, you just did the wee fat circle and you did the line down the side. And I thought, I don't really like that. It's not very nice. I always liked the font that had that, you know, that arch and then the, need to be done this way, need to be done that way with the wee belly. Some of you are looking at going, you are a complex individual. Well, yes. So whenever I first started to do that, by the way, I didn't like my D's either. I always did my D's. They came up and went down. I wanted them to have a wee swoop. Sad but true. So I determined and decided that I wanted to change my handwriting. Therefore, what I did was every time that I went to write, and I mean, you use A's and D's all the time, let's face it. So every time I did it, I'd go, no, I did it again. And then, oh, no, I did it again. And you hit that point where you want to give up and you're like, this is never going to change. It's just the way it is. I have to embrace my handwriting is as it is. I am a victim of my handwriting. No, 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 no. I was focused. I went, I am going to change this little sucker. So I decided every time that I would do it the other way. And now I could not do it the other way around. Please, if you want to clap, that's all right. Um, thanks very much. So I was sitting in the staff room not that long ago in work, and we were talking about her handwriting. And I said to this guy, well, you could change it. He went, no, that's not possible. I said, well, I changed mine. He went, you changed your handwriting? I went, yeah, just focused and got it done. It's exactly the same with who we are, what we think, the difficult stuff that we do, the stuff that we don't want to do, the stuff that you do, and then afterwards you go, why do I keep doing that stuff? Which is almost just the way I am. It's just the way it's always got to be. No. Jesus died so that we could be utterly transformed. Thank you, Joshua. We could be utterly transformed by the renewing of our minds. Hey, Star Wars. You must unlearn what you have learned. Come on, that wasn't a bad Yoda. We've got to accept that everything that we have already embraced most of the time can be completely and utterly unlearned. It will be difficult. It will be a fight. It will take work. You will want to give up. But if you stay in relationship with people who believe that it's possible and have tasted it, if you do not give up, if you believe that God is his promises are yes and amen. We sang it there. He is faithful. You don't give up, you're going to get it. This is all absolutely possible. And this is only the introduction. I promise I will keep this not too long this morning. So this morning we want to look at whose thought is it anyway. Most of us, I would put to you, do not consider that our thoughts are from anywhere other than just in our mind. Would that be right? Will you just think that way, therefore you are? Yeah? Okay. Two questions. Does the sound that comes out of a radio belong to the radio that admits it? 
Does the TV create the programs that are shown on it? Of course it doesn't. It's just a bit of plastic with some, um, I don't know what you'd call the other bits, whether they're technological, wonderful things inside. A radio receives one of thousands of station and transmits the station that is chosen for it to dwell on. A TV broadcasts one of thousands of programs that the operator chooses to dwell on. Most of the time we just go, I'm an awful person. Oh, I just thought that terrible thing. And most of us would never actually uncover some of the horrors that come through our mind. Am I on my own when I communicate that? What I do want to give you a bit of vision for is I do not struggle with my thoughts as I used to. Sometimes they pop up. Uh, Sometimes they seek entry into my mind and into my life. But I have learned, for the most part, to go, no. And to point to Jesus. I give you a little bit of my story last week. Uh, my journey, I really, I could go over it and you could all tell me what it was, but really it got to the point for me where I wanted to drive the car into the wall because of the thoughts that I was experiencing. And as I went through the, the process of all of that and went down to the depths of all of that, I got to the place where I just wanted to sleep because really that was the only rest that I found. Every time I woke up, I, sometimes it felt like within seconds I was just inundated with the thoughts. They were on me, they were over me, and I felt absolutely and utterly trapped. There are some things that I gleaned throughout the process of that. Um, one thing was that there was a pattern. I would have the most horrific thoughts of me doing the most horrific things. I then would experience the most horrific accusation and guilt that led me to think I was the worst sort of human being. Does anybody else here have that t-shirt? Okay. I would never have used this language at the time, but when I embraced the thought as my own, as in I was victim to it, and I embraced the, now listen to this bit, when I embraced the accusation as being conviction from God, At the time that this stuff was happening, I was walking after Jesus, wanted to do what Jesus asked me to do, okay? I was having the most horrific thoughts of me doing the most horrific things and then experiencing this horrific accusation and guilt, which was being told to me was conviction from God. Anybody else be brave enough to say that that's been their experience as well? Does that make sense? That slimed feeling, I am just a... Surely God is pointing out to me that I am absolutely nothing and I am the lowest of the low. It's true, isn't it? You just feel like, if only I could get out of this. If only I didn't have these thoughts or think these things. And the more that we think about them, the worse that we get. So I want to ask you to remember that the devil attempted to use God's stuff to test, tempt, and deceive Jesus Christ. Let me read from Matthew 4, 3 to 4. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus replied, It is written and forever remains written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Chris Vallotton, who I don't know if you know of Bethel Church in Redding, California, but he's one of the pastors there. He said that the devil is the ultimate pervert. He is a master at twisting scriptures to imprison, disempower, deceive, and destroy people. The most destructive weapon in the world is the word of God in the hands of the devil. And I don't know why I'm about to say this, but maybe it's good. I have heard of more Christians being utterly imprisoned by the unforgivable sin. That they have committed the unforgivable sin. And because it is scripture that has been 
put to them, they go, it must be true, therefore there is no hope for me. You have been played like a fiddle. You're dealing with an ancient being that knows the word of God better than you do, and he has twisted it from the very, very beginning. He did it to Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. He was from the beginning. He is not a created being. Jesus Christ always is, always was, always will be. The enemy is a created being. He decided to tempt the uncreated one with the very words that he is. It's ridiculous. So unless we start to get a handle on that this is a dirty fight, he does not care. He seeks to rape your life of everything that you've got. He doesn't just want to kill you. He wants to play about with you, torture you, and torment you until you're within an inch of your life and then kill you. Till you embrace that, you will not understand the nature of this fight. And it all starts in here. This is the battlefield, the battlefield of the man, mind. We only have to apologize for our sin. Maybe that's, you think that's a bit of a strange thing to say. But when I was having those thoughts come at me, you just want to go, God, I'm so sorry that I'm such a worm. It's not my thought. God's not looking for me to apologize. It's something that's not my stuff. What is my stuff is I'm starting to engage with the lie. The enemy's coming along going, Nathan, you're totally another worm. You're worth nothing. It's all going to fall apart and it's going to, be, going to be a complete and utter disaster. And inside you go, I wonder if that's true. I am a complete and utter worm. It's just my life's going to be a disaster. It's all going to completely fall apart. What, who am I to do this? Who am I to do that? I better just shrink back, just blur into existence. Our sin is not that we um, have committed the things that we're accused of half the time. Our sin is that we do not believe that we are deeply and utterly loved, that we do not garden our hearts and we do not hold the thoughts captive in our mind, that we let them have place and we give ground back. That when the enemy comes, he seeks to get ground back. One of the ways he gets it back is by our engagement. So the thought comes, you are this. And most of us go, I'm not. The minute that you start that process of I'm not, you are stuffed because you're playing on its turf. Do you remember the Passion of the Christ? Many of you have seen the film, The Passion of the Christ. Remember at the start, he's praying and the serpent is there whispering in his ear and the serpent tries to wrap up his leg as well and he's just talking to his father, just talking to his father. It gets me even now. He's just talking to his father. He is just talking to his father. And then when he has finished praying and he's got the strength that he needs, he turns, looks him in the eye and goes and stands on the snake. We all too often play with the snake. We look at the spiders and let them crawl all over us and go, oh, look, aren't they great big fangs that you have? (laughs) Why does it hurt? Because you played with it. Our sin is not the accusation that we are accused of. Our sin is that we do not believe the God who has told us not to go anywhere near that stuff. I was giving the enemy ground because I was believing that he, that he was, what am I saying here? That he was communicating to me reality and I was interpreting reality through the lens of a lie. As in, I believed in my heart, so I was. I was the worm, I was worst of all and I was living out of the lie. I did not know the truth and therefore I was not three, Johnny at 32. I said this last week, but you are the tree and not the ivy that seeks to grow up you. Whenever you have struggles in your life, um, often if you come to God, I'll come to him and say, I'm really, really struggling with this. And actually what he'll say is, you're really great at that. 
I'm like, cool. This, you know, this is supposed to be a relationship. You know, I'm supposed to speak. You're supposed to listen. He's not dealing with the ivy. The way that he deals with the ivy is he says, let's uncover the tree. Too often we go, That's, yeah, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I struggle with whatever. Um, you may think this is a bit strange I'm going to say this, but um, I, I think that Alcoholics Anonymous is a really, really good organization. But the one flaw that I see is that they have everybody who is in it admit that they are alcoholics. Now, that may sound completely and utterly ridiculous. Colin, why are you saying that? Well, if I was uh, at an AA meeting and I had a real problem with alcohol, I would not be saying, I, by my definition, am an alcoholic. I would be saying, I am someone who struggles deeply really deeply with addiction to alcohol. You may go, Colin, that is ridiculous, that is semantics. No, it's not. This is about identity. This whole thing is about identity. He goes after your mind. The enemy goes after your mind, and so does God, actually. Because if he can get us to believe, get us to think as he wants us to think, we will walk out of that place. I am not a worm. I am a son of God. I am deeply and I am dearly loved. Intimately, specifically, uniquely, I get stuff wrong all the time. Doesn't matter. I am loved. Jesus Christ died, took the hit once and for all so that I don't have to. I am forever free. I am whole in Jesus Christ. And I need you to feel the weight of who I am in Jesus Christ. And I need you to let me feel the weight of who you are in Jesus Christ as well. Was it uh, Martin Luther King or was it um, the South African president, Nelson Mandela, said, we don't fear the darkness within us, we fear the light. Freedom will never be found in believing a lie. Never, ever, ever. I'm going to tell you a story. This was a dream I had in 2003. And I had been at a church for several years and it was really the church. I'd fallen in love with Jesus and I'd come to this church and had developed these great relationships. But you may think this strange, but it was time to move on. God was calling me on. Now, you, we hope that you would want to become a member of this church. You are free to do that. If God calls you somewhere else, we would ask that you would come and chat to us and we would go, this sounds like it's God and we would bless and release you and we would celebrate who you are and applaud you as you go on to where he's calling you to be because it's about who, what he wants to do and where he wants you to be. So that's where I was. It was time for me to move on. I was quite young, I was quite immature and I um, struggled with some of the, the processes and knowing how to wisely do that. But one night I had a dream. It's important that you know I, that I really believe that God speaks through dreams. I've had some amazing uh, things happen, some nuggets of understanding and just some real uh, flipping around of my understanding of circumstances through dreams. Even way back 14 years ago, I really believed that God spoke through dreams. In the dream, I used to work in Texas home base, didn't at the time, utterly hated Texas home base, but in the dream, I was walking around with a machine gun and I gunned down everybody from the church that I was about to leave. He's just a horrible person. He's a pastor, dear God, what is he doing up here? Or, or, I'm a bit like a TV there's lots and lots of signals floating around all the time. And I can choose to dwell on whatever ones. Now, as Tara's now got her arms more folded more tightly than ever before. <laughs> so in the dream, I gunned, gunned down those that I loved. I gunned down those who had loved me. 
and I was leaving. I woke up utterly distraught, accused, ashamed, crushed. I believed I was a violent man who didn't care about those emotionally or physically, those that I was about to leave, and that really my intentions were about destroying them and slaughtering them. And ultimately, this is the goal that the enemy was going for, I wondered if I was doing the right thing and moving on. What would you do? You just feel awful for a while and just stay where you are. And obviously, God's communicating. Obviously, God's communicating to me that I really just a selfish and you know, I just I'm a violent man and it's just horrible and awful. Let me read this verse to you: Proverbs fifteen four. A soothing tongue, speaking words that build up and encourage, is a tree of life. But a perverse, deceptive tongue, speaking words that overwhelm and depress, crushes the spirit. Now. In the light of the truth of that verse, where had my dream come from? You may go, oh, Colin. Think about this in your own life. Where did it come from? Who had sent it? Was it a dodgy bit of carrot that I did in the night before? Was it from God? Or was it from the enemy? You may go, of course it's from the enemy, Colin. That's ridiculous. Mm. Well, you think about the things that happened to you. You think about the dreams that you have or the thoughts that come into your head. Are you doing that? Are you holding them up and going, where is this from? If you've never asked that question before and you just think that you think what you think, you do not. Where is that thought from? What is the fruit of that dream? But the dream felt true to me, right? Does that mean that it is true? Does feeling indicate reality? I walk in somewhere, I experience something, I feel rejected, therefore that's the reality of that? Is your own understanding the filter to establish what is real and what is not? Well, Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight and understanding. So to get free and to stay free, we've got to, um, as Jesus says in Matthew sixteen twenty five, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will find it. Did you ever think that losing your life would actually be not yielding to how you think about things? Seems a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? That actually for us to experience what Jesus has for us, we are going to have to not lean on what we understand to be true and how we think about things. We're going to have to start to lean on what he says. And if we're not in relationship with him, then we can't lean on him. But to lean on him, we're going to have to let go of what we've held on so tightly to and go, maybe actually he knows what he's talking about. And everything in our lives, when we experience it for the first time, feels foreign. When you first got into a car, was it natural to drive it? When you first rode a bike, did you just have perfect balance? When you were learning to write, our two children, Anna's well past that, but Isaac's still learning to write. It is a struggle and a stretch for him. Reading, struggle and a stretch. Maz, it's a process. Learning how to eat is a process. Walk is a process. And all of us now, because we're adults and we've been doing them for years, just go, this is normal and this is natural. So why, whenever it comes to things of the Spirit, do we go, should be an instant download, just should be there right now? Exactly the same with this holding thoughts captive, with applying filters into our mind, which we're going to talk a bit more about in weeks to come. 
This is a process, and it's a process that we can all go on to. We've got to die to our own understanding and live to his. And as I said before, this is the battlefield. Until we get that, we will not even think that we're in a war. We'll just be victim of the war that's uh, raging around us. Thoughts believed change the person who changes the world, for better or for worse. We've believed the lie, we've been deceived, and we have received the lie for the truth. The enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10, A, and Jesus came to give us life and life in all its fullness. The two agendas are completely and diametrically opposed. And Jesus said that you will know them by their fruit in Matthew 7, 16. So when you think about that dream, what's the fruit of the dream? Is there anything positive from the fruit of the dream? Not at all. So therefore, what I do is, out you go. Now that thing may seek to scuttle and crawl up into my mind and get all over me. And if it's a demonic thought and it has its origins from the enemy, that thing will not go away with about a bit of a fight. But what I find is that when you go, I'm going to do what it says in James, I'm going to submit myself to God, and it doesn't stand the test of what's the fruit of it. It doesn't stand the test of what it talks about in Proverbs 15.4. It crushes me. I'm going to submit to God and go, this isn't you, and I'm going to tell that thing to run along. Off you go. When it comes to my mind, I'm going to do something else. I might go, not a chance. I might shake it off. If you ever see me doing that, you're going, oh, Colin's having some bad thoughts. That's all right. Take it for yourself. If it works, apply it. But this has got to move from theory into the practice in our lives. Origin is uncovered by the fruit that is produced. So in short, not all thoughts that come into your mind belong to you. We are only ever called to take responsibility for that which is ours. So when it's not yours, please, you are released from the condemnation from the accusation, from the lie that that is yours. Now, you can, of course, take it, believe it to be true, and start to act it out in your lives. At that point then, you've got to go, I am sorry, God, I have got this wrong. I have believed the wrong voice. Please forgive me. I know that you have. Do you ever do that? I've started to do that. God, I'm really sorry, thanks. (laughs) Well, that's the reality, isn't it? Jesus died, sorted it all once and for all, therefore that's the truth. You are not a victim of your thoughts. You have a choice. You do not have responsibility, or you, sorry, do have responsibility for what you let your mind dwell on. We want to get free, and we want to stay free. Okay? This is easy for the enemy to overcome you if you don't know how. Therefore, this is Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Can I get the guys up, please? So out of that, we're going to take that we need to be aware that this is really, really easy for us to get entangled in sin. If we are not aware that our thoughts are not our own at times, then we're going to get easily caught up in this stuff. The other thing is we've got to throw it off. We've got to be violent in our dealings with distancing ourselves from sin. Therefore, if you realize that, actually, hold on a second, I'm feeling pretty crushed here. This isn't a good thought. This isn't a good thought. You want to eject that thing like a man trying to escape from a fighter jet that's up in flames. You want out of there. Get it off. You want nothing to do with it. 
The Greek word for entangling you like this is eusperistatos. You'd like to say that after me? Eusperistatos. Try and say that without a Greek accent. It means encircling, and it means, i.e., that sin will seek to circle us and surround us. It includes our vision, it inhibits us from running the race that God has marked out for us, and it totally, totally causes us to get wrapped up into something smaller than the bigger race and the bigger vision that God has for our lives. Sin's agenda is to ultimately destroy us. We don't want that. Do you want that? Do you want to run the bigger race? Do you want to believe the truth? Do you want to get all of those arrows and lies and thorns that are in your mind and in your life that you thought was your stuff out? Shall we stand together? As always here, every time there's a message, we're going to call you to respond because we believe that there has to be proclamation as in we talk about it and then there's demonstration that we're ministered to and we receive what Holy Spirit has for us. So a couple of questions. If you can answer yes to any of these and even if you can't, come and join me at the front. Have you believed the lie that you are a victim of your thought life? Do you want to accept the Holy Spirit's invitation to go on this journey of holding every thought captive? And then the final one, have you let sin master you? Have you just let it in and it's running rampant in your lives? If you have, then you're in the best place to start the journey of dealing with it. If you can answer yes to any of those questions, please come and join me now. So we're going to worship for a time and then we're going to minister to you. Holy Spirit, increase your presence among us today. We ask that this would move from theory and thought to application, renewing and transformation. Lord, we say to you, we do not want to be a church that just talks about it. We want to be a church that has stories of lives that are changed and transformed, of marriages that are healed and restored, of children that are back in relationship, of things that are lost that are found, of stories of how we knew and embraced that you love us more than we ever dreamed, of stories of getting to know you, the God with whom everything is possible. So come Holy Spirit.